Kia ora and welcome to another special edition of the New Zealand Property Market Podcast brought to you by CoreLogic, produced by Agents TV, recording on the 11th of June 2020. I'm Head of Research, Nick Goodall, and today I'm joined by a very special guest, CEO of the Real Estate Institute of New Zealand, Bindi Norwell. Bindi, thanks so much for coming on for a chat. How are you doing? Very well, thank you, and thanks for inviting me to share some, some views today, so I appreciate that. That's no, great to have you on board. I see you're uh, back in the office. So how long have you been back in there for? Uh, about two weeks now. And I think we're just sort of uh, been transitioning gradually. I think it's all about balance at the moment. Uh, but no, it's been great. It's been really good to see some people as well face to face. I bet. Yeah, I'm, I'm going in on Monday. And that's sort of where we're starting to move into back in the office from our perspective. So that'll be, it'll be quite good and get back to some normal better coffee as well. So it'll be good. <laughs> exactly. Now I know, um, you know, obviously technically the real estate industry couldn't really transact over lockdown, um, but it probably couldn't have been a busier time for you guys over that period. So before we get into the really meaty part of the pod, I wondered, you know, how do you survive the lockdown yourself and uh, how have you enjoyed sort of now that we've, we've actually got into level one yourself or even level two last week? Yeah, it's, it's wonderful to be in uh, level one, I must say. I, I, in terms of the lockdown, it was very intense. And I, I guess we've just, we, it was all hands on deck from our team to make sure we were supporting our members through this, uh, the lockdown. So look, I'd say um, I'm really proud of the team, how they embraced it, but it was intense is how I would explain it. And so from a personal perspective, is there anything that you did yourself to stay sane, rather than you know, being locked in those four walls at home? I just think that, you know, embracing the engagement, I don't think I've spoken to so many people in, um, you know, virtually ever, and I really enjoyed that. I felt that it's really nice to connect with um, a lot of people across the, the industry and family and also friends, um, just to just to really connect. And I thought this is something that's come out of uh, this whole lockdown that probably continue. Yeah, I agree. Broke down some barriers for people, yeah. Always keep putting off catching up on, but now it was the only way digitally, so you just had to do it and embrace it. Great point. So was there anything in particular that you missed during that lockdown period? I miss travelling and I miss the fact that I had all these plans and things already arranged to go and see people, including family in Australia. And, uh, you know, that's fine, but I look forward to getting back on a plane one day and going somewhere. I was going to say, yeah, hanging out for that trans-Tasman bubble and getting those bookings back in the the diary. Bring it on. (laughs) Nice. So, um, look, let's get into some more businessy stuff, I suppose. Tell us about your role at the Institute. You sort of mentioned, obviously, on behalf of members. How long have you actually been at the Institute for, and uh, what do you enjoy about being so involved in the property industry? It's actually three and a half years now. Uh, Time's gone really quickly, and I've loved every moment of it. And the fact is that it's just really... um, I really enjoy supporting our members across the country and the best part is actually going visiting them, seeing what's going on in their local area, which I haven't been able to do for a little while, but it's, it's, it's like a community and um, it's really nice to be part of that and be really supportive. And I love the advocacy work. I like working with government to try and drive, drive change and progress um, and really go for that uh, for our members. Also, I love digital data um, innovation, and I think there's a lot of change that's happening in the in this market, um, particularly more so now with lockdown that's happened. But, you know, this is a really interesting market, and I think that a lot of people love property. Like, it touches on so many people across the country. And so I think, you know, that's, you know, that's intrinsically very interesting. Yeah, totally agree. So you mentioned there, obviously, the advocacy side, talking to government. Um, you know, what were the members asking of you, especially when we were in level four lockdown? 
um, and you obviously did a lot of work talking to the government about making sure that you know transaction could still occur where required. Can you tell us about that process and, and how the interaction went with the government in that period? Yeah, as soon as we knew that we were um, probably facing some sort of lockdown, which might, uh, you know, stop people from buying and selling houses um, physically, obviously they can do it virtually, um, we really drove uh, sort of making sure that we were very um, clear on what we, we thought we could do in a safe manner. So we developed proactively some guidelines and sent these to across lots of people in government, uh, the COVID committee, in numerous um, areas across um, the government to make sure that, uh, that our voice was heard in terms of how we could potentially do this in a very, you know, in a safe manner. Uh, and it was a process whereby um, a lot of toing and froing. I was so impressed with how ministers really embraced it in terms of having Zoom calls with Minister Dr. Honourable Dr. Megan Woods, um, just to flesh out how we think that this could work um, as a as an industry. It was really important that, you know, coming out of um, lockdown. That's when it was really critical um, with level three that we could actually continue to have private, I mean, viewings, um, but in a very controlled and safe manner. So I think that was one of the key areas that we had to prove that we could do it. And it was great that the government listened. And uh, even though it was restricted in terms of the private viewings, uh, we still it still allowed people to get on with buying and selling, but in a safe, you know, safe manner. So that was absolutely paramount. Yeah, no, that's awesome. And I agree about, you know, Megan Woods, you know, she has seemed very accessible, much like many of the other ministers, um, but great to actually hear direct from them as to the stuff they've been dealing with and the amount they've been talking to people in the industry to ensure that, you know, they, they manage the process of lockdown as well as could be, because obviously it's pretty crazy times for everybody to have to go through that. So great yeah. to hear that continued with yourselves as well. So, um, you know, you talked about you know, the, the things you had to do and, and setting up for technology. Do you have sort of a feel for, you know, how much that might change the industry, the fact that we had to start doing things differently, do things more digitally? Um, you guys setting that process up and assisting your members, real estate agents out there to do that. What's your sort of take on how much that's going to revolutionise the market now where people are just going to have to embrace that more often than not now? Yeah, it really did. Um, I think I was really impressed with how the industry as well as consumers really picked up and embraced virtual technology. And um, particularly during, you know, that lockdown when that's really um, all we could do. But not it did not stop people buying and selling property and the 1300 properties sold over that time and some of them were probably in negotiation prior to lockdown but it was really good to see that auctions still happened um, by virtual means um, people looked at properties through virtual means so it, it actually just showed that we can do things a little bit differently as well and i think i guess people really wanted to physically look at a property um, to make a decision, but actually it does happen um, through virtual means as well. So I think a lot of this will continue because what it allows us to, people to do is choose the um, forum and the technology or the, the way that they want to do things. There's more choice for people now. You're not restricted just to a certain time with an open home that actually we can look at a property by virtual means. Um, so I think embracing, um, I think it will continue some of this. And I know that the agents are um, continuing with some of the things that really worked. Uh, you know, their caravans doing them virtually as well worked really well. And <laughs> um, I think um, some of this will continue. Yeah, so, I mean, from an agent's perspective, a lot of discussion about agents is always, oh, they're of the older age and so they're not embracing of technology and, the, you know, sometimes the most important thing about an agent is that they've got experience in the market. 
Do you have like a, a take on that? Is what's most important right now? Is it that experience in the market that re the relationships these agents hold, or the ability for them to embrace new technology? I think it's a bit of both. I mean, this is a relationship business, and it is it's about communication and building strong relationships. And I think what virtual did was allow them to even build them even more, because they use that time in lockdown, they use that time virtually to have um, to call their um, customers and clients to, to just check in how they are, how are they dealing with um, the lockdown at the moment. Is there anything else they could do? Uh, and I felt that it really improved that um, that level of engagement. Um, and so I think. I, look, I think that um, agents embraced technology and also consumers did, and now it provides more choice. And I think consumers will demand this to continue to some extent. So we need to work around what um, our customers want and need. Yeah, no, great point. I, th I think it's such an interesting time, and many people say it's forced change, but yeah. it has changed for the better. So uh, good to hear and see that it's been embraced so well. So from a um, data perspective then, we must be very close to um, your data, the Ryan's data being released for May. Do you sort of, what's your, your take on the market at the moment? Have you had any preliminary looks at the, that data so far for May? How are you th sort of thinking things have behaved in the most recent month um, for the market? Yeah, I mean, it's really, I'm looking forward to, um, you know, being able to share a lot of that information because I think we're really looking at it down to a weekly basis now. I mean, how we're really um, looking at the increased confidence across the market. And what we're seeing and hearing at the moment is a lot of activity. I think people now, they've come out of two months of lockdown and not being able to do things um, to the full extent. And there's been a bit of a, a pent-up energy about um, getting on with buying and selling. They've also spent, people have spent a long time in front of their computers uh, looking and researching and now they want to get on with these decisions. So there's been a lot of activity. Sometimes you see um, open homes have got people going, you know, all queued down the road. Um, not now we're in level one. But um, I think that, uh, you know, this is... Um, there's been a lot of activity. The key question is now whether this will continue, whether it is just a, you know, a, a bit of a spike and it will go back. Um, we are going into winter months at the moment. But you know, I think um, the fact that the market was in such a good place before lockdown has put us in a much better stead. Uh, now we're moving out of, you know, obviously, where confidence is increasing and things are picking up. And um, the thing that I'm really looking at very closely is listings. I hear listings is just a lack of choice for people at the moment and this restricts people from making decisions sometimes because they've got nothing to move into. And so I think we're starting to see increased listings and that's what will be a key indicator. It's just making sure people feel confident uh, that they can just, you know, that they can get on with buying and selling. It's in the market's okay. Interest rates are low. Um, it's okay. It will, it will pick up. It's a long-term investment. Yeah, no, absolutely. I look, I've a few notes written down for us to talk through, and you've basically nailed all of them because I think you know, we're seeing that activity lift through the, you know, the CMAs being generated by the agents. Um, we know that listings are so low, and you know, so I think that really backs up the things we're seeing, and we're expecting. You know, I think that you know that autumn time um, to probably be extended a little bit further through through June, which we're already seeing in the first week of June, and expecting that to continue on. You're right. The million dollar question is how long does it go through winter? Um, and you know, certainly going to go longer than it would have otherwise. And then, of course, you know, the uncertainty might come about when we get closer to election time. I saw articles today talking about you know we're 100 days from election, and so now comes crunch time for you know everyone that's going to be wanting to see what their big parties are going to bring to the bring to the um, market for that. Um, on the listings perspective, though, 
Um, what do you think? What's the trigger for them to maybe start to rise again and ease that supply tightness? Are we just going to have to wait till spring? Do you think, or is there something else that might change the listing situation? Yeah, I don't know. I think that we are seeing the gradual increase in listings now. Um, and I just think it's just gradually picking up. Um, it just might take a bit of time to get back to, you know, we've, we've, we've had a bit of a, a lack of listings for a while, even pre-COVID. And the reason why is we just don't have enough property sometimes to keep up with the demand. And so I think that's why it's so imperative for, you know, the investment in infrastructure and housing that the government's been announcing lately, that that continues. And we really, um, we're a bit behind now because we were in, um, you know, a couple of months behind in terms of construction, but, you know, I'm really hoping that that starts to pick up and we have more choice for people. Um, and look, I think the fact is that uh, the share market's recovered. You know, there's, you know, I know that people are thinking there's uncertainty around the job market and I understand that, but, you know, there's um, fours and against, but overall, uh, you know, I'm cautiously optimistic about this and I, I'm sure that things will start to pick up, including listings. Yeah, I think maybe, you know, maybe the point there is, you know, it's all tied to a bit of confidence as well. The more confident people are that the future's going to be okay and obviously moving to level one sooner than any than anyone was thinking will help with that confidence too. And that, like you say, will bring people to actually list their property and continue to transact in the market. So I think that's a really good point. So I was just thinking about, you know, you recently, very recently released a um, joint report along with Tony Alexander, who we had on the uh, podcast a couple of weeks ago. So interesting getting his thoughts. Can you talk a little bit about um, you know, how that report came about with Tony and um, just a couple of you know, insights of the latest findings that you got from that report? Yeah, Tony. Uh, we had a discussion with Tony because um, I know that he does, he's very active in the in the property market. Has a huge amount of expertise um, in it in terms of really, you know, that economic side of it. And I thought actually with um, using, you know, one we've done a sentiment survey, which um, where we're part, you know working with him on, which we'll send out to all of our members to really get a good read on um, the sentiment. And I think that's. You know, at this time when we were waiting for sort of the data, the indicators across the economy and um, property market, it's really important that we really have a good sense of the anecdotal evidence and the sentiment. Uh, and so it's been a really good alignment with Tony um, and given his e economic overlay as well. And so I guess what we've seen um, strikingly that, the, that there is um, a lot more activity in ho open homes at the moment. We've, we've seen this. This is actually evidenced by what our members are saying to us as well. And um, really a lot of activity around those first home buyers. I think that first home buyers, particularly now the LVRs um, have been removed, it will, um, they are inc increasing a lot more activity, which is really good. It's just making sure that um, we support them, that they're not over leveraged, but actually can get into the market. So yeah, that was a, a real standout, the activity around the first home buyers and investor market. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, for all the talk, of course, we know there's going to be a bunch of people who will have lost their job and won't be able to act in the market, but there's plenty others that were trying to buy beforehand, that pent-up demand you talked about, and they're coming, you know, just as strong back in afterwards. Um, so, of course, that's where the, where the strength is coming from. So it totally makes sense. Mm. Um, switching slightly, I was thinking the other report that we were sort of looking at the last couple of weeks has been the financial stability report released by the Reserve Bank. And a key outtake they talked about was the resilience of our banks, which of course, you know, they support in such a strong way the property market. What's your sort of take on how the banking sector interacts with the property market? And Rob, what role do you see of the loan-to-value ratio restrictions and things like serviceability, interest rates, which we know the banks apply for potential borrowers, but of course the LVR restrictions being removed temporarily? 
How do you sort of wrap all that and the importance of the banks mm-hmm. into the market yourself? Well, banks are critical at the moment, um, particularly being supportive and doing what they can to help with, um, you know, with mortgage holidays. Uh, I know they will come to an end at some point, but just giving that people breathing space to get back on track um, as well. And I think that's been critical in terms of the banking sector. Look, I think that there are businesses as well, um, given that there's potentially some increased risks around um, unemployment and things. I mean, they've got business decisions to make. We do hear that they have been tightening up their lending criteria to make sure they're being very prudent. And, you know, I guess that's um, critical um, post-crisis as well. Um, but, um, the LVRs is interesting because you think on one one hand we're hearing that it's great that they've opened up uh, and just got rid of them really and we weren't expecting that to that extent and what it means is that 20% deposit which is you know 130000 on a $650,000 house, it's just a huge amount for particularly first home buyers to save up for even though that they can service a mortgage. Uh, um, and so it's just taken away that um, restriction around the deposit. Now, it will depend on whether banks continue to get lend lower than 20%, but um, we're hoping that it really does free up a little bit more um, capital for people um, that you know, may have not been able to get into the market and they, they, they can now. So I think, look, it will t- time will tell. I think over the next couple of months it will really um, give a really good indication of how those LVRs and the banking market um, impacts on the property market. But those interest rates, I must say they're really, you know, the fact that they're low have been extremely supportive of the property fa- uh, market. Yeah, I was amazed today. We saw an um, announcement from Kiwi Bank come in saying they've dropped the variable rate by 100 basis points, so one full percent. So that's pretty game-changing as well and is another sign for the fact that interest rates are just going to stay low for so, so long. And as you say, that's just going to be more supportive of the property market, um, tied in with the fact that, yeah, those LBR restrictions temporarily gone, um, which, as you say, is, is probably a sensible thing as long as those income checks remain relatively stringent to ensure that people can continue to service their mortgage. So, yeah, interesting and such a crazy moving beast that, you know, it's uh, every week something's sort of happening in the industry. Um, so we'll keep watching out for that one. Yeah. So, look, let's turn our um, eye, I suppose, to the future. Um, I suppose I've got two questions here. The first is, what do you think the future holds for the industry? So the real estate industry itself in terms of how people transact, and we touched on some of that stuff earlier. And then, of course, for the property market in terms of where volumes and values are likely to go, um, you know, there has been predictions of values dropping, you know, upwards of 10, 15, 20% even. We don't sit quite that high. Just wanted to get your take on where you think the, the industry is going to go and then the property market itself. Yeah, I mean, there is a lot of talk around from economists, um, you know, with their predictions of price decreases uh, up to 10, 15%. I think they're revising those now, though they have been, I think activity is better than they expected. Um, the market's being more resilient than they expected. And I guess um, it's a bit early to tell about, you know, what we think is going to happen in terms of prices. I do think we need a couple of months to really find that out. But at the moment, they're holding because of the lack of listings out there, the lack of choice for people. So it's increased the amount of competition around certain houses and certain houses in great areas are really holding their value. Um, But I think that the fact that the market was in such a good position beforehand, um, before lockdown, it's actually put it in a bit more of a resilient um, space now. 
And, you know, people will not buy, stop buying and selling houses or genuinely need to move on with their life decisions. And I, um, you know, I think that, it, yes, we, there's no doubt that we're going to go through some tough times. The economy is really working itself out. Um, the job market is working itself out. Um, but we might find that, the, you know, we're a bit more resilient than we think and in terms of our economy and our country. But, you know, maybe I'm being optimistic, but <laughs> a bit early to tell from me. Um, cautiously optimistic at the moment. No, I think that's, that's fair enough and probably a pretty common feeling at the moment, especially with the, you know, sooner than thought return to level one as well, which no one quite saw us being at this level. And that's obviously very hopeful for the future of the economy, for people to be out there interacting and hopefully businesses to get back to some level of normal sooner rather than later. So I think there's good reason to be cautious optimistic with a, uh, a view to what might happen when, like I say, those mortgage deferrals and things do come up and, and people's wage subsidies end as well. So I think it's a fair position to take. Um, Look, is there anything personal that you've you sort of learned over this last, what is it, eight, nine, ten week period now, either about yourself or maybe the overall industry and in your own business? Um, and is there anything stick out to you that you might, you know, end up doing differently um, in the post-COVID world? Yeah, I, I just think that I was, um, the, the amount of change in a very small um, portion of time was phenomenal. And I think that I'm just astounded by how well people have embraced, um, particularly our team. I'm super proud of our team about how they've just embraced and the market, um, the real estate agents, uh, you know, really embraced this change and just turned it around in terms of just getting on with business and just doing it a different way. Uh, and the level of engagement, I love the fact, the fact that people have got this, even a greater sense of community around this. Um, very supportive. I, um, you know, that was really surprising. And I think in a positive, really positive way. So I think the things that we'll take away um, will probably change the way we work across a lot of com uh, a lot of companies um, to be a bit more embracing about flexibility and uh, doing things and having you know trust that people do the right thing um, you know wherever they are. It's all about delivery and support. So yeah, I think those kind of things I've learned a lot about that um, and how to really. Um, Embrace change in a crisis, I think. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Rolling on from that then, do you have any sort of advice for property professionals, maybe those agents that are listening now that we are sort of getting back to some level of normality? Well, it's just uh, that whole keeping up with the um, checking in on people and the engagement and just, you know, making sure that, uh, you know, we're not over it yet and people need to feel confident and have insurance around the market and, you know, they're critical in this process. They've got the best information. They've been through, um, some people have been through, um, you know, crises in the past or they've, they've seen what happens with changing markets or, you know, they've seen this happen. And so it's really important that they share their knowledge and, um, you know, really help people during this time uh, to make sure they feel confident and that they're doing the right thing. No, great call. And that's, uh, you know, part of the reason we do this podcast, I suppose, is to get those, those thoughts of people that are experienced in the market and get those thoughts out there. So, yep, I really like that. All right, well, we've got one sort of major final question, and that's one I've been asking all our guests is, uh, imagine you were having a beer with the Prime Minister Jacinda Ardern this evening. What sort of messages would you pass on to her? No, I'd have a wine, if you don't mind. Sure. I'd have a wine, wine with her. <laughs> Love to have a wine with Jacinda. Um, Look, I think, you know, they've done an amazing job in terms of the health, uh, you know, really squashing uh, COVID-19. Um, and now we're, you know, 
you know, big applause to, to er eradicating it uh, in New Zealand. I think the big thing now is the economy and making sure that we keep people in jobs and that we develop, you know, invest in infrastructure. Um, we get this economy moving uh, as quickly as possible. Um, yeah, so that's, I guess that's probably the thinking about that as well. Um, and, you know, I think that's such a critical component at, um, at this stage. Ah, very cool. All right, well, before I um, sort of close everything out, is there any other thoughts you sort of got going on at the moment or anything we've missed discussing today? No, not really. Um, it's a privilege to, to be invited to talk, and um, I think it's going to be a very interesting time over the next few months, uh, particularly in election year as well. Uh, so, but um, as long as we keep communicating, uh, people work together across the country, uh, we have a vision for what we want in the future, um, we'll get through it. Great call. All right, well, one final question then. I know we're not locked down anymore, but uh, you're, you're a TV watcher. Did you catch any interesting Netflix or Lightbox uh, shows over the, over the lockdown period you could recommend to other people? I would love to. I'm probably on a, a sleep on the couch at 8.30 at night. No, I'm just joking. Um, so um, so uh, Dead to Me, I think, is quite a funny show. Uh, I've been um, enjoying that. And if the family's around, I can't resist Modern Family. I know it's... Um, <laughs> It's just a good one for the family. But um, Dead to Me, I think, is a good one. Have you got one? Two, two great choices, Dead to Me, yep, with Christina Applegate. Yep, love yeah. that one as well. I think it was just the second series. Second season just came out. So, yeah, no, I love that one. It's a good one. Good recommendation. Great. Um, oh, yeah. All right. Thank you once again for taking the time. Um, great to chat. We really appreciate having you on. Um, to just wrap up today's pod, please um, subscribe, rate, and review us to help spread the word. And remember, go to CoreLogic.co.nz um, for all the insights on the market. And, of course, Ryan's.co.nz as well. As always, get in touch with any thoughts or questions. All our contact details are, uh, as well as the Institute's website, I'll put on the show notes here for today. Otherwise, thanks for listening, and I will speak to you on Monday. Bye.